0: And welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist podcast. My name's Amelia. I'm the editor in chief of Anime Feminist, and I'm joined today by Peter Phobian and Miles Thomas. If you'd like to introduce yourselves,
1: I'm a Peter Phobian. I'm an Associates Features editor at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist.
2: My name is Miles Thomas, and I just spent $50 on a pre order for the German Shirobako Blu ray just to have it in a fourth language.
0: I'm so glad that you changed your introduction every single week. <laughs> I wasn't sure you could do it. I underestimated you. I apologize. I'm
2: glad I was able to get there. I, I realized actually walking into this that I had not come up with, like, something, on like, ahead of time. So I would have to think about it. And then I'm like, wait, no, I just remembered what I did, like, <laughs> last night. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> this is up to the minute stuff. We're Absolutely. right on the edge here. Okay, we're here for our final episode of the Shirobako Watch Along, which is why we've joined, we've asked special guest Miles to join us for all of the Shirobako related credentials he's listed throughout the episodes. If you miss them, go back and listen. And the idea of a Watch Along is that we watch six episodes at a time in a group where some people have never seen it and have no idea what it's about, and some people have seen it and love it. So Peter and I have never seen Shirobako, or had never seen Chirobaco, we've now both seen it all the way through, and we've week to week been talking about what we hope for the next six episodes, how the previous six episodes lived up to our expectations. So today we're going to be looking a little bit at the last six episodes, 19 to 24, but also the series as a whole, and for this one, Miles is going to be answering more of the questions, I think, than in previous weeks. But let's start by looking at the previous six episodes nineteen to twenty four everything wrapped up. Peter, what did you think of this one? This set uh, of six
1: uh this set of six episodes uh i I thought it was better um the the hiccup with it I mean they still showed up but the teddy bear and the the pirate kind of <laughs> yeah. took a back seat again, which I appreciated uh I really felt like they started getting into um uh, they kind of made sure everybody had a moment in the last six episodes and then like you know near the end of course, there's some sort of disaster where they sort of have to come together again yeah uh, and of course you know every every one of the the main five girls got to contribute to the anime in some way. so yeah. I thought it was a, a really good conclusion to the series and even some of the characters who I didn't expect would get much time who felt like some joke characters had their moments as well. so really good ending.
0: Yep, I agree. Shizuka got to be a voice actor on the series. <laughs> I was so pleased. I really wanted her to get to get something in there. And when, when it was revealed that it was gonna be Catherine's younger sister, that was just perfect. You feel I good was about calling that? Really pleased with that.
1: There was an amazing scene too.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Goodness. So I basically started crying around then mm-hmm. and just didn't stop for most of the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was surprisingly emotional. And actually for me, what the earlier episode as well, I think it's episode 19, where she goes into this old animation studio and watches Andy's Chucky like on mm. a on a film reel. I, that really got to me. I was surprised by how emotional that made me for this, you know, culture i'm not in and this industry i know nothing about <laughs> this sense of nostalgia <laughs> in it got, really got to me despite that i was so impressed that is my favorite episode. Showed. oh i'm not surprised it was beautiful it's just a standout episode
1: oh, that was like the president's moment too He kind of realized she was struggling so he like showed her some of his old stuff to remind her why she was doing what she was doing yeah yeah, yeah. and i know seeing anybody kind of like i don't know uh, get to have a moment where they connect with like one of their original anime, or like you know something that really influenced them as a kid. Maybe not necessarily anime, uh, and they get really emotional over it. I think that's a that's a really good moment, especially considering what the soul of the series is. So yeah, yeah, I really love that episode too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't expect it, but it was. I, th- I can't even remember what the what was happening in the rest of the episode, but that just stood out to me so much. And yes, the impact really surprised me. Um, I really loved this this set of six. I think partly because it st- it really converged. There's a lot of previous episodes where it's opening up, opening up, always treading new ground. Whereas in these six episodes, it feels like it, it kind of consolidated and built on mm. everything that came before. And that's always a part of a series that I absolutely love. Yeah, the wrap so, up. Oh, yeah. And I think it did a really good job of a conclusion to such a sprawling series, with such a huge ensemble cast, Mm -hmm. and I thought they handled it really well.
2: I know it's kind of jumping ahead a little here, but I wanted to ask, um, a lot of people said when season two, the moment the last episode hit, but I want to know kind of did you both get that feel, did you get that sensation when you had completed the series that, oh, now what I need is a season two, or did you feel more satisfied than wanting?
0: Uh, I think when I got to the end of the season it felt more like this could go on forever had it been a western show I feel like it would have gone on in various versions for a very long time and that I mean the knowledge that there isn't a second season was always with me so I'm not sure I got to the end I thought I really like a second season that, that didn't really occur to me but just the fact that they've set this format up and you think actually they could they could just go through Aoi's life and show her progressing within this industry and it would be delightful and by the end of this season I realized that I it had got to a point where I just enjoyed spending time with these characters in their lives so I felt I felt satisfied with the the end of it I suppose but I would also be really happy to see more if that makes Love sense. It.
2: no I mean I think um there's a production level that I want to kind of hit on uh, this was originally planned to be four cores, so a full, like, 52 oh. episodes. And every core, Aoi okay. um, was going to get another uh, uh, another promotion. Promotion. Oh, that would have so been amazing. That was the original plan. And so uh, this news hit in May, or not May, in, uh, like, March. March 1st or something like that. So, like, one month before the ending... And so that kind of put a perspective in a lot of fans' minds of, oh, my gosh, like, how are they going to wrap it up if it was supposed to be double the length? Like, what are they going to do? And then I watched it, and I just felt so satisfied with what we had. I mean, of course, I would desperately want another. I would love to see Ali become a producer, right? But (laughs) at the same time, uh, I I was really happy with, with this Clearly, <laughs> that explains
0: so much. Though that explains so much. So many of these kind of plot points that they hinted at but never dug into. So presumably, her sister Kaori, we would have met her again. I would hope in so, the yeah. second half of the series. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So things like that that were just kind of throwaway. Like I actually think that it adds up to something really special because the fact is, in your working life, people do walk in and out, mm-hmm. people do leave, new people join, and the fact that it doesn't give each person, even an interior life, let alone a backstory, let alone their own plot line, the fact that these people just kind of drop in and out, that felt so natural by the time by the time I got used to it. So very early on, I expected everybody that we met to be important. This is why I kept saying, you know, what's the deal with Endo and Sego? I want to know more about them. And by the end of it, it's like, well, they just, it just doesn't matter because we don't actually see inside either of their thoughts, their emotions, anything like that. We just see them as Aoi's co-workers, really. And that's okay. So I learned to be really comfortable with that style of storytelling, which is very light for some people and then very kind of deep for others.
1: It really wouldn't surprise me if they were going to make more too. I don't think at any point I thought that uh, Aoi would really be stalled. I think that they were building toward her continual promotion, because even mm. in the the last six episodes there were a lot of moments where she uh she really like got noticed uh I remember yes. there was one episode where everybody was kind of drinking uh Hiroaka and Taro were having their own thing but uh two of the um it was Iguchi and I don't know who the other woman was uh they were talking about oh yeah um, they were
0: at the Oden uh yeah. stall weren't they yeah
1: yeah, and earlier on, uh, actually, uh, Erica talked to Hiroaka about it, too. Uh, they they just talk about um, people in the industry, and the conversation always goes to Aoi. And yeah. she she said there are some people, I think she just called them idiots who never lose their enthusiasm.
0: Uh,
1: this is going to be a weird reference, but I, I remember they, they talk about that on The West Wing, too, which is a show I really like that I know a lot of people hate, uh, where one of the guys is, they call them true believers who really like believe in the political process. Uh, despite how cynical and and awful a lot of like the the bureaucratic elements of government are. um, They never lose their like sense of inspiration. And and, like a lot of the stuff they said about that character whose name escapes me kind of reminded me of how they talked about Aoi. Like she's somebody who loves anime so much that uh, you just can't not notice their passion for it. And they kind of stick out in your memory. And that is why she's able to get so much done. It's because she leaves such an impression on people.
0: That makes perfect sense. And I, I love Nabepi in the final episode, he refers to her as their ace. Mm-hmm. And um, the director kind of pulls her up on stage and says she's the one who's going to shoulder Musani in the future.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And th- there's actually a moment in the previous six episodes where I think Nabepi said, stop teasing our ace. And it seems like even then she's starting to build up this this impression of herself as somebody who's the future of the studio. And yeah. that really that's really clear by episode 24 but they're building that from earlier on i mean the fact that they made her the the production desk even that gesture of faith with you know they didn't beg erica to stay around or anything like that they just or they didn't bring in someone new they didn't give it to hirouka which they could have done thank god so uh, <laughs> yeah yeah we'll okay, get we to him Yeah. <laughs> But the fact that they gave her that position after a year, a year and a half, and the fact that they keep giving her more recognition, I think it really does say that she is the, the senior woman that I've been wanting to see. Like, that is her in 10 years' time.
1: Yeah. Actually, uh, I was I just finished editing episode two, and uh, I remember you were kind of discussing – So I feel, kind of feel bad because I felt like uh, maybe uh, at least I was kind of dropping the ball on my side of the conversation. You kept bringing up the, the Mahjong game. Uh, and at the time, we were talking about always agency and like some of the subplot that was happening at the time. Um, but you had kind of moved on, and I don't think that uh, we'd really kind of moved along with you to the part where she's talking about how they kind of were trying to keep her out of that male space. Yeah. Uh, but then in one of these last six episodes, uh, those same the same group of guys is talking about her, uh, and they said, "Let's invite her over."
0: They call her in. Exactly.
1: So she gets invited to that space that used to be exclusively male.
0: Exactly. I I thought that was such a beautiful moment. And the fact that it was um, people who had previously interviewed her and turned her down, intimidated her and got this impression of her as being quite, quite fragile and nervous. Mm -hmm. And she got invited in as, no, 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 this is, this is our production desk. This is the person who is making this entire production happen. So that was that was a beautiful full circle moment. I mm. think. Okay, I want to look specifically at the last six episodes before we we look more at the series as a whole. So there were a few feminist points of interest. I think the most notable one is that moment where Hiraka comes across across Dee, and he looks at her clothes and she's got this like stripy dress and polka dot tights, and he tells her that she's she's not taking her job seriously that. She's, because she's a girl it must be nice she can just make googly eyes at a guy and get anything she wants because she's managed to persuade not persuade necessarily but she's ended up in a position where Maitake the lead writer is mentoring her and giving her assignments and he suggests that that's because she's a girl she doesn't take her job seriously so how did how did you respond to that at the time do you think
1: um, I remember uh, you and Miles uh, in episode three were both talking a lot about how you disliked him. And I kind of, I didn't really like him. I uh, I thought he was pretty, like, annoying, but I didn't, like, actually dislike him until mm-hmm. I think that scene. That's what really, <laughs> that's what, uh, what's, the, what's the opposite of getting sold on someone? Uh, uh, <laughs>
2: Put off, repelled. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I take that's issue what with I that, that Peter? For me. I but take what? issue with that because he was like oh, yeah. that before. He, oh yeah. I mean, he was, yeah, yeah he was that person before and because he was only explicit about it then like he was still like brazenly sexist and brazenly looking down on all the other girls before then so i would hope you would have been pissed off a little earlier
1: <laughs> uh, i guess i i was i was i had taro there who kind of like everybody everybody looks clean next to somebody that gross uh <laughs> But I don't know, I, I definitely thought like he had a shitty attitude, um, yeah. but it felt like he was doing work, but uh, in this six episodes, it kind of became very obvious that he was also just a huge fuck-up as well, because um, uh, we get to the scene where Segawa basically says, I don't want to work with this guy ever again. Yeah. And so he's he's criticizing the fact that she's, uh, that by his perception, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, I forgot her name. B. Emma. Emma oh emma it was emma is getting all this help uh, when she's not uh she's just she's being recognized and meanwhile he's doing like the the least amount of work he can do um without you know getting it being said that he's not working at all and he kind of resents the fact that she's getting recognition uh and yeah. that's yeah that kind of like put a frame around it i guess
0: at the same time i really appreciate the fact that they included a character like this who had been completely disillusioned i thought that was a really nice touch i had very little empathy for him until they said well actually he he had big ambitions and then he gets drunk and he talks about how he wanted to make the first anime feature film to to win at Cannes, and that's a really sweet ambition and the fact that he'd just lost it, he'd been he'd been so badly burned on his previous production that he had lost all interest, but he was presumably just pigeonholed by his C V into this kind of work. And yeah, I've been there. I really feel for him. But or at he the just same time, know what else to do. yeah, and yeah. you know, that's that's such an you it's that's such a relatable position to be in. I think mm-hmm. once you're working, if you've got a few years somewhere on your CV, then even thinking of yourself in a different position can be really challenging, like and making that break in actuality can be really hard. And there probably is still a part of him that thinks, well, I, I used to love anime, so this is what I do, right? This is just who I am.
2: Mm-hmm. It
0: is really easy to, for your identity to get caught up in your work.
2: This is why so I love him as a character that- so much.
0: Yeah I can really understand that now. That was hard to see (laughs) six episodes ago but I really appreciated him now. How do we feel about Hiroka and Taro's friendship? They're two different types of quite unpleasant aspects of masculinity and then they joined up and suddenly became a lot more likeable I thought.
1: Uh, yeah, I I felt like, God, I couldn't imagine them making a way where you kind of feel like Taro's accomplishing something good, but in, like, some sort of unintentional roundabout way, he kind of keeps Hirooka, I guess, engaged with the studio. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess Taro's so dumb and has such, like, balloonish ambitions compared to the amount of effort that he puts into things that, uh, he, he gets really excitable and wants this guy to be part of his plans, and I guess that's I don't want to say it's a little infectious or something, but it seems like he's actually like making a couple things contribute to Hiroaka, kind of turning it around at the end. Um, I'm surprised how much development he got like in a six-episode arc, basically. So good. Um, but Taro, Taro, I felt like, was a pretty integral part of that, which was kind of shocking, actually.
2: Look at that. Did you ever expect to say that sentence in your life? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't think Taro would ever do anything good, ever. I thought he'd be a net minus on humanity. <laughs> you know, he's still I'm a net not, minus.
0: Yeah, I'm not entirely convinced he's not. But in terms of Hiraoka specifically, I think that um, it's quite interesting that Hiroka seemed to have a much higher tolerance for Taro than he did for Aoi or for Erika even. And I do wonder if that's because Taro is a guy. I did wonder that. I'm not sure, you know, Erika knows him really well, but he never treated Erika like that. Um, And Taro is, (laughs) I think Hiroka is one of the few people who can say to Taro, your dreams are ridiculous. You can't just become a director. And Taro, like, will perhaps actually listen to him. We didn't get to that point, but it felt like he was maybe starting down that track where he's got somebody who can bring him down to earth a bit, just like uh, Kinoshita and um, Honda were at the very, very beginning. So it felt like potentially that is actually a director producer relationship that could work in 10, 20 years time when Taro has got a lot more humility.
1: Yeah, I think I, I feel like I maybe does treat them differently. I, it seems like <laughs> you no matter what you say to Taro, it rolls off him. So yeah. and Taro would specifically he's like, oh, you're leaving. I'm coming with you. It's like he couldn't shake the guy. It's like somebody who no matter how much you're an asshole to uh, they just don't seem to even recognize that you're trying to mistreat them. So I, I feel like Taro's kind of invulnerable to anything Hiraoka <laughs> could say to him. Whereas with the girls, they like actually, you know, care and take criticism. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's a different interaction. And they don't want to talk to him because he's a jerk.
0: At the same time, that maybe suggests why Aoi's handling of him was so good. Because she didn't, she didn't fire him. They mentioned at one point that she could. yeah, And I think that's, it seemed almost like that would be the natural outcome of what he he was doing at the time where he was just pissing off so many people that they didn't want to work with him and that you know that's untenable so she could legitimately have fired him and she chose not to and she chose to say you know what we're going to make this work I'll talk to the people involved I'll make sure it's all smoothed over and she did that for him and that's such a contrast to his previous experiences where he was so badly burned the fact I think just people kind of having that staying power with him is perhaps something that he responds very well to Perhaps same with Erika, like they have a civil relationship. Although Erika is a bit of a special character on her own right, I think. What did you think about her in this six episodes compared to earlier? Hmm.
1: I'm not sure. I, she It seemed to focus on her a bit more, although most of her scenes were just keeping that guy from escaping through increasingly yeah. ridiculous methods. Yeah. I <laughs> love it <that> when Shirobako is <laughs> uh,
2: a cartoon. I'm not going to lie. Those were some of my <laughs> favorite moments of these, these six episodes. I
0: loved... Like, I'm not usually into that kind of thing, but I have to say I loved the sequence where the director goes into the the book publisher building like it's a Western and he's a cowboy. (laughs) (laughs) He just, like, goes through the entire building to get to the author. I thought that was so funny and well done. And that's the kind of thing that normally I'd be, like, rolling my eyes at, but they just handled it so beautifully.
1: Yeah, and the conversation afterward. And then finally, funny story guy getting... I guess he he actually did get fired.
0: I think I hated him more than Taro. I think I hated him more than Hiroka. I think he was the rock bottom for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, like,
1: it turns out he's the reason why they almost don't finish the series in the end. But we
0: knew that, right? The whole way along, every time they said, oh, well, we've heard from Chazawa. Is it Chazawa? We've heard from him that that it's fine, so we can go ahead. And I was thinking, no, (laughs) get in contact with the author. But, yeah, it it was good to see him get his comeuppance. Hmm. and Taro did not get any comeuppance, and I thought I'd be disappointed by that, but I wasn't. You. I think it, you do
1: kind of get the recognition he's never going to get promoted, and he's always going to be on the bottom, though, which is kind yeah. of like that. Yeah. You're and like, Aoi you know.
0: gets such good recognition from everybody that kind of yeah. balanced it out in a way.
1: You really see like how their difference in effort and mentality pays off in the end, and I yes. think that's that's very validating.
0: Miles, what did you want, what did you expect of Taro's arc when you first saw it? Did you think, because you asked us, do you think he's going to be redeemed? Do you think there's going to be any redemption for him? What did you expect when you first saw it?
2: Uh, I don't think I had as much of an expectation one way or another, actually. Oh, okay. Um, no, I, so I, this is kind of a situation where I went in and <laughs> I was happy to just be along for the ride. And I didn't question the narrative in any substantial way. Mm -hmm. entirely understandable it's this was i mean my relationship with the series is such that like it's not like an escapist narrative it was just something that i just got really emotionally involved with and i wanted Mm -hmm. that to be my first foot forward with the series so certainly on revisits i've gone back and taken a more critical eye or like looked out for things and i've watched it like i think four times in completion and like I've watched certain episodes like as many as like 10 times um but I I, I never had a uh, watch through where I was you know surprised where I was really trying to figure out what was going to happen
0: mm-hmm.
2: I know that's not but that makes sense you guys. I think
0: no 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 <laughs> I think I think that makes perfect sense I don't think I would have thought about it unless you'd asked me because it does it turns into a show almost like a slice of life, only it's it's not really slice of life, I think. It's got too much of a a traditional linear plot for that. And I
2: was way um, too invested in that linear plot. But it certainly does yeah. have all the um, appeal point of a slice of life story.
0: Yeah. and We actually had somebody comment on, um, on animofeminist.com when we put this up. Um, saying that it was actually kind of stressful for them to watch because they've worked in a production environment before and it brought back lots of <laughs> memories, that I can completely understand that. I There are some, like, series or films that I refuse to watch because it's just a bit too office-cubically. <laughs> I kind of remember things and go, no, don't want to deal with that. So, yeah, it's almost the opposite of an escapist show, I would say. <laughs> but at the same time, it's really an enjoyable group of people and an enjoyable situation to spend time in though, especially if you've never worked in an environment like that, which I thankfully haven't because it looks incredibly stressful.
2: Mm. Actually, that's a good question. Would you want to work in anime having watched this series?
0: No, no. hundred <laughs> percent. No, never. Absolutely not in any capacity. Peter.
2: Uh,
1: it's hard for me to really recognize how much of this is like cartoonish uh, and how much of it is trying to be realistic um i could definitely say i w- believe i could work in anime and find the work to be extremely fulfilling i guess it would just it would really depend on how realistic this is yeah, like at at the level of the show i i think the answer would probably be yes um but i don't know if it's I, it seems like they try to cartoonify a lot of it a lot of the time so you're not maybe really getting a sense of like that. And I also know that a lot of people in animation are terribly underpaid. I don't know, I'd probably be somebody on production side rather than creative side since I'm not that talented. But um, it's kind of like, uh, I, I know animators have a really rough time and not a, lot, a bunch of people get very much money and kind of live on like a poverty income. So that aspect would probably that's like another dimension to why the job is hard. Um, so like, if it was a strictly a accurate portrayal, I might say no. But yeah, based on Shirobako, I I think the answer might actually be yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the only role in Shirobako that I would see myself in is probably the director. And he's awful. And I <laughs> I just <laughs> that's actually very close to how I operate in real life, as Peter can tell you for sure, because this is you know why you have to lock me in a cage to get me to do my equivalent of storyboards sometimes. And I completely identified with certain things that he struggled with. And kind of having that sense of vision, like I want it to go this way, but I can't necessarily communicate that and I don't necessarily want to deal with it right now. Yeah, so I'd be the awful, appalling director. He was better um, in the second
1: show than the first, though.
0: He was, wasn't they, he? They
1: specifically <laughs> mentioned he got stuff done early in some situations.
0: Are you telling me I should <laughs> You me I should shut down Anifem and start up a new website because I can do that? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, just, yeah.
1: You know, I guess, uh, maybe NFM two or, uh, we'll, 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 rebrand and then you'll, yeah. Perfect.
0: Excellent. I look forward yeah. to that. In the meantime, just guys, I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, so you'd be on the production side and I could absolutely <laughs> see you doing that. I think you do Aoi's job really well.
2: <laughs> and, and for clarification, uh, Aoi's job, the average pay is the equivalent of, uh, about $19,000 us a year. Oh my God! So it's it's pretty not long worth out. it. That's not like, worth it. The part of Tokyo where a lot of these studios are in that's you know, that gets you a long way. Um, like you can live on that. It's not easy. I. It's not easy. Yeah. You make you yeah. make about as much working like as a waitress or a waiter. Um, wow. At like some random place. So like I, I just, <sighs> it, it's it's, I would love to see a world where animation staff gets paid more personally Mm. um i I guess that's not what we're here to talk about necessarily
0: pay for your anime people that's what we're saying
2: yeah i can well and and there's there's
1: there's there's there's, (laughs) bam well yeah that'll that'll wrap that's a nice that's a good bow for that
0: (laughs) so looking at the series as a whole how do your how did your expectations before watching shirobako compared to your actual experience watching Shirobako. Peter, let's start with you.
1: Hmm. I don't think... the um, My impressions of the show based on like stuff like Twitter were actually kind of negative. And I, 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 maybe it's just the way I interpret people talking about certain things. Uh, I remember I was also turned off to sound euphonium uh, because a lot of the uh ways people kind of celebrate the series are very gazy i guess or they mm-hmm. at least come across that way where i don't really feel like they're enjoying the series or maybe even the characters so much as just kind of like uh the cuteness factor or something like that uh so they always talk about like you know when they like do some goofy face thing or something like that and it doesn't feel very substantive um are, but peter are you saying that so many on Twitter people...
2: are not substantive
1: uh, maybe that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, it's it's not even debate. It's like whenever somebody's like, "Hey, this is cool," it's never like a narrative moment. It's like uh, somebody eating a sour plum, and <laughs> and being, I'm like I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that's my so face. Much. But uh, yeah, the sour plum okay. thing. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I ended up liking both this and sound. So I guess I I just thought it was gonna be a cute girls doing cute things show, and it turned out to very much not only be that. So,
0: not yeah. only <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: there was definitely cute girls, and they did they did some yeah. cute things, but there was a, a whole lot of really good plot in there, and I'm really happy I watched it. So,
0: yeah, it felt more like they put kind of cute girls doing cute things sprinkling on everything else. Yeah. So every now and again, there's a little hint towards that kind of point of appeal, but for the most part, that's not where the substance is, and I'm so pleased for it.
1: Funfetti in a narrative cake.
0: Yes, exactly. So for me, um, I expected more kind of of a traditional approach to storytelling, I guess. So I expected more focus on the main five school friends. And as it happens, we barely saw like two or three of them for most of the series. So me and Lee, we got to see a little bit more later, but we, you know, they had their moments and then they sort of drifted off again and then they'd show up again and drift off again. Um, I think by the end of it, I was amazed by how deeply affected I was by Shizuka's storyline that was perhaps that her scene where she finally (laughs) gets in the voice acting booth I think that probably had more emotional impact on me than any other moment of the entire series and I was not expecting that from what I thought was a relatively kind of flat character earlier on And she's, you know, she just spends the whole time saying, you know, I'm going to keep trying, I'm going to keep working. And then she goes back to her room and she's kind of depressed, understandably. And going to auditions and trying too hard and kind of messing up and going back to her room and being depressed and then going to work and serving the others drinks. And it, you know, wasn't that, it wasn't that interesting. And I kind of wanted her to just end up making a decision one way or the other on voice acting, I guess. And then when she actually got that moment where she's, given the sign that, yes, this is the right way for you. You have a path forward. You can actually make it. You're closer to your dream. And it really hit me. Uh, that was just so well done.
1: Yeah, that was probably my most emotional scene too. I think yeah. they did it. I, I suspected from the beginning, uh, I, I think they, they did it really well, uh, especially when they had to had, read the second part, I knew she was going to get a part on it. Mm. Uh, but approaching that scene, uh, when... Uh, Aoi was meeting with those, when she's invited into the mail space, which happens to be at her cafe, uh, Mm -hmm. and she's going to introduce her friend as, like, an aspiring voice actress, but she specifically, like, like, shakes her head and says, don't introduce me that way.
2: Yeah, Like,
1: she didn't, she didn't want to get in with Aoi's help. She wanted to do it on her own merits. And, uh, so I knew that scene would end up being a surprise to Aoi somehow. I, I knew that, uh, she wasn't going to be like, oh, my friend got hired. It was going to be your friend suddenly shows up and she's working. So... Mm -hmm. I kind of like had that the way that scene was gonna play out in my head. I figured that's how it was gonna go, but like that it basically it was like just as impactful. Uh, like I don't know, just her getting to be there when her friend has her like big break into the industry and yeah. just completely out of nowhere. absolutely by surprise.
0: That was so uh, beautifully done. Yeah, and she and did all- it
1: without her friend's help at all, which I thought was really important.
0: But that's really interesting to me because I didn't interpret that scene in the bar the same as you did. Um, you you interpreted that as she wanted to make her own way without Aoi's help. Mm-hmm. I interpreted that as she's, she's not feeling very good about herself right now and she would be embarrassed to talk about her non-existent career as a voice, voice actor with people who actually work in the industry. Yeah. That was what I took from it. I took that she just did not want to broach the subject because it would be embarrassing for her.
1: Yeah. I didn't think that was, like, the, the whole reason. I I figured, like, it was a couple different reasons, but I think one of it would be, mm. like, if if Aoi had said that and then one of them goes, like, oh, hey, do you want an audition because they respected Aoi and not her, yeah. I f- feel like if she got that job, that would probably feel a little shitty, even if that yeah, was I- her big break.
0: You're probably right. And the fact is yeah. that she's known that four of her friends are working on this show and she auditioned for it and she didn't get it. And she hasn't asked them to pull strings at all. They didn't. She could have said, you know, can you at least have a word and make sure that I get into a crowd scene or something like that? And she didn't say a word and she yeah. just completely backed off from the production. She didn't just didn't get the audition. <laughs> and that's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that she did get it in the end, though.
1: Yeah, I loved when she looked in the booth and saw Aoi crying and (laughs) she she throws the book up in front of her face.
0: Yeah, Uh, that was it was so beautifully done. I would watch mm. that scene again on its own. Yeah, just, you know, whenever I want a good cry, I just go back to that scene. Mm. And the other thing that I was surprised by, I think I was expecting us to flesh out the characters more than we did. Now, I touched on this earlier about the fact is that your working life people do drop in and out and so even though they weren't able to flesh everyone out as completely as they had intended to with 52 episodes I can only assume I actually think it was really effective that they didn't and the result for me was that I got to the end and thought oh, I want to go back and watch it from the beginning and now I know these people and I, know, I have a better idea of what they do it will be meaningful to me in an entirely new way
2: yep god I'm so, so excited I, just I, hearing I, you guys this is great <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I, was, I thought at first that everybody that we met in the first episode, we would eventually get a sense of who they were kind of emotionally, you know, how they thought, or what they felt. And we did not at all. <laughs> we still haven't seen inside their heads. We spent a lot of time with Pirate Girl and, and the bear um, seeing inside Aoi's head, and rightly so. And we spend enough time with characters like Emma that we get a really good sense of her kind of emotional sense but there were many many people that we spent time with but didn't actually see anything deeper and that surprised me but actually I think it makes it a richer series in some ways that you know not everyone does have a a major plot line in Aoi's story for her it's just you know glimpses here and there and that's fine that's enough and to to become satisfied with that is I don't know if I've experienced that in another show actually where you just kind of get comfortable with the idea that when people drop in you may not necessarily get to know them and they may not not necessarily be important to the story. I'm not sure I've I've encountered that with another series before.
1: I did feel like uh it got to the point where I did feel like the jokes with the the two stuffed animals were starting to become missed opportunities for other scenes. Yes. Um I don't know if I felt like the story was obligated to give me more information on any one characters but I felt like If it had decided to take the time to explore the personal life of any of the characters, like uh, who was the animator, the the Segawa and the other guy. And Endo. And uh, yeah, like the way it did to Endo, where you kind of got a glimpse into more of his home life. Mm
0: -hmm. I felt
1: like that would have been constructive for just about any character.
0: But especially the main five, like we really didn't spend a lot of time with me, Misa. Um, the, you know, after she changes jobs, we don't really go back to her at all, except for, for the work that she's doing on this series. And they could have fleshed her out a bit more. We could have seen more of like Lee trying to balance her work at the studio with her life as a student. We could have like probably not done more with Shizuka. I think her arc was pretty well handled, but they, yeah. they could have. She got a lot de- of
1: personal time and yes. that, they, that, it, that was necessary to to show like how uncertain she was. And exactly. how how awful it feels to not be doing well when you're auditioning, and still know that you basically just have no credits to your name. Yeah. And yeah, so like, what do you do? I with her, yeah, it was definitely necessary. With other characters, like since they'd made it, I think they kept the content more in regards to their work.
0: Miles, you said that when you saw episode one, it was a pleasant surprise for you, having seen the promotional images. But how did you how did you feel at the end of the series compared to what you expected from episode one
2: um gosh i mean so shirabako is almost like a religious experience for me um <laughs> right like uh i just i became so invested and involved in such a just like deeply emotional way that i don't know i kind of bought into all the stuff that i didn't even like um about the mm-hmm. show um Uh, Yeah, I just, episode one just kind of made me feel like, here it is, this one is, this is for me. And I very rarely get that sense when watching media, because so many things are just not for me. I mean, most of my time spent (laughs) watching media is focused around Japanese animation, and I am, you know, not Japanese. And I'm, you know, exceeding the target audience for a lot of these late night shows, which is like 18 through 24 is like the central audience, though it certainly is broader than that. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I continue to have this incredibly strong uh, affliction of Cheryl Bothhoodness.
0: Affliction. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, let's look instead then at what we would like them to do. If they had got their wish and they had the 52 episodes, if we got a second season of Shirobako, what would we want to see from a feminist perspective, but also generally as a viewer? Peter, what would you like to see?
1: Um, I did uh, think that it would be interesting if they had to, because they made like uh, um, a kind of a cutesy magical girl series. And then um, aerial girls, which was kind of like on the, the Moe action side uh, which I believe both demographics are pretty strongly male, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong right now, Miles. But uh, <laughs> I-, I won't. He... Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> so I thought it would be interesting if they worked with a, a female creator on, um, I don't know, some shojo or a series, something like that, uh, especially because uh, there's that one scene where Taro is making fun of Ando because she likes BL. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I thought uh, I I felt like that was maybe like in retrospect after you said that they were planning fifty episodes, I was like, hmm, was that trying to like build toward their next project? Uh, because I thought the interactions with the male author actually turned out to be pretty interesting. And if you're talking about it, didn't it felt like somewhat of a stylistic shift, but not a major one for between the two first series. So if they have to like because shojo and shonen, especially and like moe, uh, can have very different styles having to like, uh, really change the way that they draw everything. Uh, and, uh, maybe have some interactions with a female creator instead of a male creator along the same lines as they did for aerial girls, I think would have been a pretty interesting way to take the show. And then of course, in the last season, they'd work on seven lucky gods.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see a a female director for sure. I we've obviously the last, uh, in the last six months or so, um, So Yamamoto's star has risen quite significantly and people Mm -hmm. are now very widely aware of who she is. And Um, uh, Naoko Yamato is the
2: best director in anime right now.
0: Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) She is certainly very popular. (laughs) She is very popular. Um, And we have these high profile examples of women directors who are producing quality work, are producing popular work. It would be wonderful to have one of these women dealing with Taro, dealing with Hiraoka, acting as a mentor perhaps to some of the other women in the office. So it would be really great to see that dynamic. Um, I think I would love to see, I know I just said I got really comfortable with the idea that we don't get them fleshed out at all. But I really would love to know what the deal is with Sego and Endo. <laughs> I'd lo- I would love to know what, what their background is and what their relationship is now and how they view each other's art. Like we got glimpses, but really digging into that I would think would be great to see. Yeah, I felt um, really
1: bad for you too when Sega <laughs> web Work goes into the office and sits right next to Endo because production's so like uh, volatile that they need her in office. And I was just yeah. like, oh, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> I was
0: like, this is your chance, but there's yeah. literally minutes left of this. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not going to work. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> I genuinely thought for a minute that we might get something and we got nothing. And I should have known by now that I was optimistic anyway. But yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd love them to dig into that. I'd love to see Kari again, kind of check in with her and see what her what her life has been like since she got back from Tokyo and how it affected her, if it did affect her. I mean, I assume it would have, but it would be nice to see that in person.
1: I did. I, I actually, uh, since we're mentioning Sego, I do want to mention that I really love the scene with her and Aoi when she's working out the problems with Hirooka, specifically yeah. because of uh, a decision they've made. First of all, just is saying, like, this guy's a heel I'm not going to work with him and Aoi deciding to take personal responsibility uh, for anything that happened after that point. So she's basically putting her reputation on the line, right? And this is one of, like, their most important animators. So if she yes. said, I can't trust you guys to properly manage a project anymore, I'm just not going to work with you, that would, like, scuttle the, the entire studio. Um, and But when they come to an agreement, Segawa gets off of her chair and sits on the floor with Aoi, so on the, they're on the same level after that. I thought that was super good writing and like you know just framing a scene after that because you know they kind of like reach an accord and so they they she's looking eye to eye rather than down on eye at that point mm-hmm. which was good for both characters that was a really well-constructed scene i just had to mention that at some point
0: but she made such a good point as well when she said you know our work on screen that's our that's our business card that is people recognizing us mm-hmm. and you know we in In anime fandom, even here, we have Sakagoboru and we see clips and we identify the animators who worked on clips. And that, you know, there are people who can look at a a cut and say, yep, this animator did it. I can't do that. But there are people who are doing that. And yeah, if it's shoddy, people are going to say, oh, not up to their usual standard. And it's such a good point. Nobody's going to say, well, production clearly didn't do their job properly. Mm hmm. So it was it was a really great point. And when she said to Aoi, like, no, specifically, how are you going to take responsibility? What can you possibly do that will balance out the risk that I'm going to be connected to shoddy work? And it really forced her to think about it rather than just this vague kind of, well, I'll take responsibility. Well, it probably won't matter even if you do. Yeah. But Aoi was you able could say, to say, it's suggest- my fault. Yeah. Exactly. But nobody will see that who matters. And especially since animators work for so many different people, it's not like being in a studio unless you're KyoAni. I think they have in-house animators, don't they?
2: I mean, a lot uh, of studios well, have a lot of their in-house? Stuff is in-house. Oh, they okay. Do. But uh, okay. KyoAni,
1: KyoAni especially I think, because... is well known for not outsourcing.
2: Yeah, in, except in right. rare circumstances. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, then? I think uh, that, that's another interesting point about the studio, though, is uh, Musani only has the one director, it appears, right? Isn't that unusual for a studio? Usually they have several directors, uh, at least of something that size.
2: Having a director in-house is also pretty weird. Um, it's usually only oh. the studios, where the director is one of the founders or like a mm-hmm. business person too. So like Studio Kara Ono is one of the directors because he's one of the founders of the studio.
1: Yeah.
0: I was gonna say, when they got to the end of the, the series and they said, next time we're gonna have two lines, presumably that would mean bringing in a director to handle one of them. Yeah yeah
1: yeah okay so that would be that would be them i guess growing to the point where they could yeah so i guess that guy was uh maybe part of the because yeah because he was the director of their last series too so i guess uh that that he was maybe a founder and then they get to the size where they're willing to like bring in more directors but if i mean if you have a director on staff who's never leaving uh and you're not big enough to really be working on more than one project at a time what would that director be doing if not directing something yeah, well, but potentially the
0: other director they're going to bring in could be uh, our, our female director. That would yep. be really good to see. If they'd had two lines running at the same time, two shows running at the same time, and they had Kinoshita on his original and a woman on the other, that would have made for a really great second season.
1: It's a, I think a little optimistic even for the series, but that would
2: be great.
0: <laughs> <funny. laughs> Miles, what, do you, what would you love to see in another 24 episodes of Shirobako?
2: So one of the reasons why I was kind of excited for Shirobako prior to it coming out was the uh, head scriptwriter. the series composition it was done by Michiko Yakote, who is an excellent writer. Um, she's had a lot of questionable series, but even more incredible ones. Um, so like some things that she's done that I've really liked are like, she did a lot of Pat labor stuff. Um, she did Red Data Girl, Princess Tutu. Princess Tutu especially is very like compelling to me, Genshiken. Uh, so she's done a lot of things that I was like a big fan of, and I would have loved to see her in the series. Like, she's the one writing Shirobako. I would have loved to see her experiences represented in some way. Because you never really see a anyone in that role, actually, at all. You don't see any series writer or screenwriter. And That's especially That's
0: a really good point.
2: Especially hers. Like, yes, the director. Like, I love the interplay between a script, a script writer and the director. And how they kind of go at it, because the directors the one drawing the storyboards usually, and so they, there's always this really interesting tension. And Michiko Yukote is like one of the like, most veteran women in anime, who's like at the top of her game, at the top of her like tier. Like if a script is written by her, it usually advertises the fact, right? Which is not something mm-hmm. that, that's done for most production staff. So like I would really love to see like what her personal experience like in the 80s were. Um, working wow. on things like pat labor with someone like Mamoru Oshi, like I would love to see <laughs> how the two of them butted heads. Like, so I would have. I wish it were. A yeah, that'd little be good too. Because Oshii's
1: pretty famous for being a jerk, right?
2: Oh yeah, Oshi is awful. Yeah, <laughs> <be> that
0: <laughs> yeah, that would have been incredible. Anything else you'd like to see from a second season?
2: More of the girls
0: yeah
2: <laughs> i like i in spite of myself i end up like falling in love with all five of them and just wanting them to succeed and um i guess in they spite of because i came onto it resenting the fact that they were even part of the show the other girls the main five girls i when i started oh, okay. i resented their their inclusion because i was like these girls are here just for like fan service they're in the way of these real like all these other characters based on real people what's going on here and then um they ended up being what i loved most about shirobako
0: they're the emotional heart aren't they absolutely
2: 100%
0: yeah i'd love to see more of them i'd like to see how being more successful Affects their their friendship and their childhood dreams. So there's at this point they are actually working together because they're junior enough to work together. The more senior they get, chances are the harder it's going to be for them to make that happen. So it would be really nice to see how how that their success kind of has an impact on that.
1: Yeah, especially at unequal success because you saw how much they were stressing out Shizuka. So if yeah. they keep growing at different rates, if that were to bother any of them, you know they have to kind of reconcile the fact that they're going they're not all going to continue advancing in their careers at the same rates some of them are going to be luckier or better or something like that
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see how uh lee's career develops because she's in this really odd position where she's a part-timer so she's ahead of the game in terms of being a student but once she graduates she's actually fairly kind of she's low on the ladder, but she's also in an unusual position. So how does she transition from that to being a writer? Like if she continues to be mentored by Maidake, then maybe that's her way in. Is that necessarily the way in that she wants? She mm-hmm. just talked about how she doesn't like the idea of being male or being female, getting in the way of doing her job. Yeah. But if, but- if she's got this mentor who just brings, him, brings her up with him, that's not necessarily what she wants either.
1: I think they did do as part of a greater narrative about having to uh, take risks and put yourself out there, even mm. if you're uncertain as to whether you can handle it, because uh, they did that where Emma, what yeah. does Emma become? She gets a really big uh, assistant supervising editor, is what yeah. they make her. Uh, animator? And she, uh, I think they said editor.
0: Okay. I thought it was um, animator. It doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe. Okay. It doesn't but, matter uh, to me anyway, sorry. Okay, but if, uh, uh, It doesn't matter to you.
1: Yeah. She, uh, but the 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 crux of that was that she didn't think that she could handle that, and um, Suge is just kind of like, "Well, you're never going to be certain that you can handle it. You just have to do it." Yes. Uh, and because what, what did he say? I've seen a lot of talented people never get further in their career because they didn't think ever, that they were ever ready for anything. Yeah. Uh, but then the same thing happens to uh, to Ri or is it me? I always get this mixed up. I should just call her Diesel Diesel Son. Yeah. She. Uh, she has that scene where uh, they're talking about uh, the first uh, idea they had for the end of the series, um, where she, she has that uh, conversation or something, and they said, like, well, why don't you just write the dialogue? And she has a moment's hesitation because she doesn't think she's ready for something like that, but she goes, no, I'll do it. Um, and, of course, they don't end up using it, but that means that they are willing to uh, allow her to write stuff for scenario. So yeah. I, could, I I figured that's how she was going to continue advancing that way, just kind of taking on uh, more responsibilities when it came to writing out the script and then maybe actually getting assigned to um, write out a entire scenario um, like, like Mario Kata or maybe be director or something like that.
0: I think it would be interesting to see if her relationship with Maitake kind of follows her through her career a bit. So people just assume that the fact that she's a cute girl actually was her foot in the door and they make assumptions on her on that basis. Like I think that would be absolutely plausible and make for a really interesting arc where she has to try and navigate that territory without outwardly offending people herself but also without letting those assumptions be made about her. I think that would be really interesting to see. Okay, I think we're gonna have to wrap this up soon. So final question is about this watch-along process. This is the first time we've done this. And has anything surprised you about this process of watching the six episodes at the time and then discussing anything happened that you weren't expecting or did this go pretty much as you thought it would? Peter?
1: Um, I guess if anything, it would just be, I think, Miles' expectations coming into this. It seems <laughs> like we always end up wrap We wrap up each episode with him uh, kind of having predicted that we would talk about certain things. And... Yeah uh seeing where he thought the watch-along would go as opposed to the directions that we ended up taking it, like uh, how we had different takeaways, I think was pretty interesting. Usually when I do stuff like this, it's like everybody watching it for the first time. So having somebody who might be the single greatest fan of the show ever uh, <laughs> sort, of, <laughs> sort of predicting which, which areas we'll delve into deepest uh, and then kind of crit- like critiquing that later I thought was uh, maybe maybe the most unique thing about what we did
0: Good, excellent, that was, I didn't realize that would be unique But I thought, found it really interesting actually You pointed out a few times, Miles Things that I'd thought about But I like they weren't important enough to me at the time To to put them in the notes myself Or I hadn't even thought about And then when you brought them up I was like, oh yeah, we should have talked about that more So it was something I really appreciated Having that perspective
2: Well y'all still didn't uh, talk about I the lean I was actually about When Allie leaned on uh, her desk In one point
0: Hmm. Hmm.
2: It's like a single uh, frame.
1: A, a fan service moment or something.
2: <laughs> it's not even like it is fan service, but it's like the most benign fan service possibly imaginable. But <laughs> I just get really offended when they try and sexualize Aoi of all characters.
0: Oh yeah. There are those body pillows out there, aren't there? And oh, yes. Dakimakura. Yeah. But they I've Actually, I saw articles quick... on those before watching. Sorry, say that but again those...
2: Real quick on the body pillows. They are the most respectful yeah. body pillows I've ever seen. <laughs> and I am so happy that if there are body pillows of Shirabako characters, all of them, except for Emma, look like they're happy to be there. And you know what? I will take that. That is a small victory, but I will take that.
0: I maybe have only seen unauthorized versions of the Dakimakura then. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure that there's a positive way to view the ones I've seen. Uh, but...
2: Believe me, I'm stretching to get you this positive way. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, they don't look like they're not consenting. Okay, that's... <laughs> I will... The positive side we'll take of it. <laughs>
2: the smallest of small victories, but I will take it.
0: Yeah. Not tearing up. We've got our low bar at the moment, people. <laughs> um, for this... The watch long process, I was surprised that I didn't actually run out of things to say. (laughs) I was really worried that in six episodes there might not be things of feminist interest to talk about. But actually I was amazed that I think episode two of this this series, this four part series that we've done, episode two, which was uh, seven to 12, is that right? Seven to 12. I finished that and I was like, oh no, I've got nothing to say. And then I started thinking about it and ended up kind of joining dots. And I think that episode now is probably <laughs> going to be my favorite of these four because it was so interesting asking you guys questions and then realizing that you hadn't viewed it in quite the same way I had. And just having that contrast right in front of me was just a fascinating process for me.
1: Yeah. Uh, editing that episode. I just finished editing that. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I noticed the same thing. Like you would, you were even saying specifically what the 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 aspect of it was that you wanted to bring up. And mm-hmm. I don't think actually either of us kind of picked up on the thing that you were trying to say. And mm-hmm. but then listening to it again, uh, where I could kind of like see both sides of the conversation advancing at the same time, uh, I I like got it. Uh, yeah. Like the like the thing about um, well, what was what was I just talking about the uh, the male space. Uh, with Aoi not being invited in you were even saying that and I thought we were still talking about Aoi's agency I didn't see the issue until literally yesterday (laughs) so and that's like that was two weeks ago that we recorded so
0: yeah and I think that is the way it goes I know there are quite a few times where where you and I have talked Peter about things that we've watched and we notice different things entirely Mm -hmm. and that's why this this has been a really interesting experiment for me and there have been some weeks where I've had less to say than others there's been some episodes i've had less to talk about than others but overall there's been something to discuss every single time and it's been really easy to have conversations about this show
1: yeah
0: miles how about you to finish this off for us
2: um i'm i'm very pleased uh with this process uh i've had one conversation on a podcast about feminist issues in shirobako before but it was mostly framed around the same face and it was like a three-hour shirobako podcast where we spent maybe 10 20 minutes talking about that one issue um which is to say that I'm, I'm very happy that i was able to really hear both sides and both of you went back and forth in a lot of ways and i felt i really liked my role in this as kind of like a third party observer of the podcast who was able to <laughs> jump in with specific um specific element and i think that that was very healthy for me because i am definitely coming from the more shirobako expert side rather than the feminist side as much as i do subscribe to you know more most feminist theory
0: <laughs> yeah. right so absolutely i, I, I mean think... we invite you here for your shirobako knowledge right yeah <laughs>
2: right um if and I were I, going to
0: invite someone on for feminist knowledge, it probably wouldn't be a straight white man i'm sorry
2: i would I would really hope not um and i mean I, <laughs> I, I think like in this in the course of this podcast, I had exposed a very subtle but important hypocrisy that I had about the show where I was defending one element of Shirobako for being like true to life but and like and yet at the same time in just a slightly different context saying. I wish it wasn't true to life so that these women could have a little more agency or uh, diversity in their personalities. And so, like, catching myself in those kind of situations, I, I've not had a challenge the way that I look at the series like I have with the two of you. So I'm really appreciative.
0: Well, I really appreciate the fact that you joined us on this. It's been four... No, it's been almost four solid weeks of recording and it's been really good of you when i originally invited you it was just to come in at the very end or the very beginning and you just said no i'm up for every week that's fine and i've been so i think grateful for that as the weeks have gone on i think had it just been me and peter and one other um from the team i'm not sure we would have got the same type of conversation as we'd ended up with you So thank you so much for joining us here every week. Of course. Very much appreciated. I'm really happy that you were a part of our very first watch along.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks, Miles.
0: Okay, I think that wraps this four-part Shirobako watch along up. Thank you very much to you both. Uh, Just a little bit of housekeeping. We have our main site, www.animefeminist.com, where we put up these podcasts and also other blog posts and types. We have a Twitter account where you can find us at Anime Feminist. We have a Facebook, facebook.com slash animefem. We have a Tumblr, .tumblr animefeminist.tumblr.com. And we have a Patreon, which is patreon.com slash animefeminist. We are now, as of this week, over a thousand dollars in income every month. Thank you so much to our kind patrons for signing up to this. We really appreciate it. And your money goes to paying people. Uh, who are not me. So the next funding goal is $1,140. We're actually so close to this now. Well, the fact that we're less than $150 away is amazing to me. Uh, We want to be able to pay the editors. So that's people like Peter, like Dee, Rye, Caitlin, Lauren. We wanna be able to pay them for the work that they do, editing contributor posts. They have been doing this since October, 2016. It's been a while and they deserve to be paid. So if you can spare a dollar a month, it all adds up. Uh, please go to patreon.com slash animefeminist and send us a dollar a month to continue our work. Or if you send us $5 or more, you can get access to our private anFm server on Discord where we talk about everything from anime to games to Japanese study. So patreon.com slash animefeminist, please send us a dollar or more and help us continue our work. Thank you so much to Peter and Miles. And let us know in comments what shows you would like us to do a watch along with next.